Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Anti Culture. I'm your culturally ambiguous and culturally mixed host, Josiah Sinanin. And today marks the day I get to sit down with someone I admire very much for her talent, her persona, and what she represents for so many communities. She is the Juno winner for Francophone Album of the Year for her latest release, Impossible à Aimer. President and Artistic Director of Bravo Musique, and you may have seen her face in your social studies textbooks. She is a phenom across Canada, France, and the world. I'm pleased to share my conversation with the one and only Beatrice Martin, better known as Cœur du Pirate. I'll be candid with everyone and say that I have been wanting to do this interview for such a long time, and it finally came together this past week in the middle of Beatrice picking up her daughter from school and juggling her new baby. She made time for me, and I'm so glad we got to have a conversation. We have met a few times at multiple shows around the world, and we finally got to sit down and get into a bit of a deeper discussion. And there is a bit of a funny story with our history together. The first time I ever met Girl des Pirates, I was in Paris studying abroad and I was walking in my neighborhood back home and I was on Instagram as I'm walking home from school and I see that she posted at this restaurant right by my apartment that she was there and I walked by it and sure enough, she was in the window and I was waving to her on the other side of the window like a freak and she waved back and I was trying to tell her like, I love you, I'm a big fan, just using sign language. She invited me into the restaurant and I was possibly the most starstruck I've ever been in my life. I was so excited to see her and I couldn't believe I was talking to her. I was a huge fan at the time and she represented so much for me through her music and through how she represents France and Canada and Quebec and it was just a an amazing moment. And she actually knew who I was from Instagram, which was very surprising to me, but I think she has such a good rapport with her fans. I didn't even ask her how she knew who I was because I was far too starstruck. <laughs> so we took a photo together. I let her get back to her dinner. And since then, I have been to five or six of her shows across Canada and France. And I'm so honored that she would be a part of the show today. So one of the things I really admire about Kildi Pirat is her foray into so many different identities and expressions. She is obviously a musician but she also crosses this unique path that not a lot of Quebecois musicians get to, which is breaking into the French world. We'll talk about this a little bit later in the interview, and we'll also talk about the reception that happened in 2016 when she came out as queer, which was very negative, especially in her native province of Quebec. So while she's navigated all of these identities, she's maintained honesty and transparency and humor, especially on the internet where her identity has always been strong, whether that's on MySpace or Twitter, TikTok or Instagram, the world loves what she expresses online and they love her music. And that's part of what makes her a great guest for our show today. 
we love to challenge the boxes that we put people in, and Cœur de Pirate has exceeded all expectations. You think you have her pinned down, but she's not who you think she is. She's so much more. Just a note, I did edit out some of our niceties at the beginning of our conversation because she was putting Arlo down and it was a bit of a hectic commotion to try and get this interview to happen. But we finally got our space to chat together and you'll see a little special appearance from Arlo in the audio at the end. But without further ado, here is my conversation with the one and only Gil Dipirat. First off, I just wanted to say congratulations on your Juno that came out this weekend. How did Thank you, you. How did you feel about that? Um, it was really unexpected because uh, I've been nominated quite a few times in various categories, and I like usually don't win because you know uh, there's so many great artists <laughs> in 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 Canada, and I'm I was just like you know what like I, I'm so happy to be nominated, but like I'll I'll probably not win right. again. Um, so I didn't really like think anything of it. I wasn't expecting it at all, um, but I did. So I was like, wow, it's crazy, but. Um, the album's been getting a lot of support, you know, from the rest of Canada. So mm-hmm. it was um, it was fun to see that it did so well um, on CBC and like everywhere else. I was just really happy about that. And this is your first Juno. Yes, my first How Juno. How crazy is that? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been so busy these past couple years. I would say two new albums, a new baby. You're on tour. I don't understand how you do it all. How are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of things happened that were not planned, um, <laughs> you know, and I like, you know, the pandemic and <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So like all of the plans were kind of postponed. And so everything kind of happened at the same time. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful that it all happened, you know, it at, at in a way like that because you know it got me to be creative and stay on my feet and um Mm. it was uh it was overall like a a a very humbling two years i have to say (laughs) a humbling but productive two years congratulations thank you (laughs) so i think we're all really excited about arlo and you being a mom again i think the internet's already a huge fan of your relationship with romy it's it's so special and you must feel excited to have an opportunity to develop a new relationship with a new kid. How, how has that been for you? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great because, you know, like, but it's definitely different because when I had Romy, it was at the very beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. So she had to go through the whole me going on tour for a long period of time and, and doing all these things and not really being there. And I really missed out on a good part of her life mm-hmm. uh, because of touring, which is like, you know, today, I don't think she really remembers it, but I know it did leave you know, some kind of imprint on her. Um, right. With this with this kid, I, I'm at another stage of my career. I don't think I'm going to tour that much anymore uh, because, you know, like I'm getting old and and <laughs> and it's uh, it's, a, it's a great it's, it's a huge job. Um, and I have Bravo now, which, you know, mm-hmm. takes a lot of uh, time um on my end so i i think he's going to feel a different type of career for me and that's great too and mm-hmm. you know we'll get to laugh about it later and saying you know hey mom used to be a pop star <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah what a cool new 
what a cool new era in your life. I I was thinking about it the other day, and I was making a little tally of the shows I've been to in my life, and I think I've seen you the most out of any artist, which is oh, crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And where I did know. you, like, you saw me, like, like in various parts also of the world. So yes. that's, that's fun. <laughs> I was worried that you'd think I was stalking you for a bit. So I'm glad we're at this stage now. <laughs> where I can we're good. Yeah, we're good. But yeah, Calgary, France, Quebec, all over the place. Oh, fun. I mean, so you got fun. to see, like, different shows, too. So yeah, that's totally. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you mentioned it briefly just now, but another incredible accomplishment of yours, I don't think you've spoken a lot about it in English interviews, but was the acquisition and rebranding of Dare to Care. Yes. So a lot of people have so much admiration for what you did there, including myself. Can you maybe just walk us through what happened and where Bravo Music is now? Yeah, for sure. So basically, um, uh, I was on a label, which was a very, I mean, it still is, like, it was a very important label in Quebec, uh, an independent label, for about 20 years. Uh, and I was signed on to that label in 2008. Um, and I'm a very loyal person, like I stick to one place. And, you know, even with my friends and everybody, I, I just I like to stick it out, you know, and I, mm. I support the, the establishment that helped made me and, and I am like that. So um, in 2020, there was a wave of, um, I guess, uh, uh, people coming forward anonymously, uh, you know, talking about their sexual abuse uh, from various, uh, you know, prominent figures in the industry. And that that was a whole thing. It was like a a second wave of Me Too, basically. Right. And mainly Um, in the Quebec music scene. Is that? Yeah, exactly. So it was it was the music scene and art and entertainment. So and a lot of photographers, too, you know, so it was like the arts. um, and, And that was kind of I feel something that was an easy thing to do, you know, uh, for a lot of people. It was like an easy target, like the artistic world. And, you know, we can touch base on that another time. But it was it was like just like just so crazy. And, and I think it, it really bothered people because they were, these were public figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, Dare to Care, unfortunately, you know, uh, got a little entangled with that. Um, I'm not going to name anybody, but it was uh, – the, the owner was forced to sell the label um, mm. because nobody wanted to work with the label anymore, and that was terrible. That was a, that was that was not good because so many great artists were tied uh, contractually right. to the label, and so the owner's only you know way to uh, make uh, everything go back to normal was to sell it. Um, and in my head, when that happened, I kind of freaked out because I was like, if you know, a, a third party that we don't know buys the label. Um, mm. We, the the artist, the contract, you know, are in the hands of another entity. And what's going to happen? You know, we don't know. That's like our whole lives. That's yeah. our catalog. That's our rights, you know. That's uh, our publishing rights. It's our whole industry. So I, I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Um, and so I decided to uh, make an offer as well. And I got lucky and I got it, you know. So awesome. um, it was uh, – <laughs> It was scary, but uh, but I you know I went forward with it because I I really thought of it all collectively, you know, um, and I think that's something that I, I was like if I didn't in a position to do it, I should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was just the right thing to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, how does it feel kind of being on the other side of things for you? Was that a big shift, or did you feel like it kind of came naturally? It was definitely a big shift. Um, I've always been into 
kind of like knowing my budgets and like knowing what I can do as Cal the Chat, but like thinking about it for a lot of other artists and with the whole team, like we're 25 people, it's, it was just like just such an um, an adjustment. You know, I, I had never even been on Slack before, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that, like or right. written emails or like uh, conference calls and, and all of that. And that was, that was, you know, the, just a little like, um, bureau aspect of it but right. the whole other thing you know approving budgets uh projections um knowing you know uh, uh your your calendar so like knowing what's going to come out and like you know oh well we can't release too many things on that month because you know uh mm-hmm. then we're going to be swamped with work it was like seeing the the behind the scenes and i had never had any access to that and that's i i feel like i feel really privileged that i got to you know see the in the spotlight behind the scenes kind Mm -hmm. of thing yeah it's really amazing how it came full circle and congratulations again it's it's awesome to see where it's at right now with all the artists under your roster and how things are going and I think a lot of people are appreciative that you are the one at the head of this new era of Quebecois music yeah of course I mean like I I don't I I don't take any credit that (laughs) in the sense that the team is like amazing and I I'm, I'm just glad I got to um I got a great team working with me. You know, I have to do my job as Carol Pirat to like play shows and stuff. And, like that's <laughs> part of the part of the deal. But right. um, but they're doing a great job. That's awesome. Well, one thing uh, I like to talk about on my show is cultural identity, and I've always been intrigued by your story because on one hand you are kind of synonymous with Quebec music worldwide. Your face is in yeah. our textbooks. Everyone knows Comme des Enfants. But on the other hand, you're also quite large in France as well. And I actually met someone who from France who didn't even know you were Canadian when you were playing your Paris show. That happens a lot. Yeah. (laughs) How do you navigate your sense of identity? Do you feel more tied towards I mean, obviously, you feel the most tied towards (laughs) Quebec. But how do you navigate who you are as an artist in the cultural lens? I think I identify more as somebody who's from Montreal because Montreal's mm. so diverse and bilingual and, um, you know, the music scene. I remember when I, I first started, it was like the Montreal sound was such a big deal mm. um, with Arcade Fire and Wolf Parade. And 2008 was like prime year for Montreal music. And so I, I kind of like came along in that thing you know it was right. crazy like you know Montreal felt like Brooklyn as in like you could go to like an after party and you could see like Wynn Butler there and like hmm. it was just it was just so cool all the time um so I kind of identified to, to that and my cultural references really shift towards that um special place right. <laughs> in time yeah that's so cool and I feel like it's it's interesting too because I You've done, for example, you did your cover of Mistral Gagnon, which is yes. a very French, French thing. And it almost seems like you've been adopted into their culture, too, which is pretty cool. I mean, I love I love what they have done and kind of what they've established. And I think there's something special about, like, reestablishing that France and Quebec connection. And you've somehow <laughs> straddled both places. Would you agree with that? I mean, I'm a, I'm a look, one of the lucky few to have been able to to do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's very hard now, also, to you know have a career um, outside of your home base, basically, because the markets are kind of like reclosing on themselves. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. it's very like it's it's just harder now. Um, 
so I'm I'm just I'm just happy that I got to live it. Uh, obviously, I'm not that cool anymore in France. <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm uh, I, I'm not that relevant anymore. But I still get to play shows, and I'm I'm really happy about that. Hmm. That's really cool. I did want to talk about uh, your experience coming out as well. And I know that when you came out, it wasn't the most positive reaction that you got right away. Mm-hmm. But how I'm curious how that's evolved for you as time has gone on. I mean, it's still, I still identify, you know, as queer. And so everything that I do and when I write, it's, uh, I have a lot of songs in the last album that gravitate toward that uh, because I had never addressed it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when I came out, it was, I, mean, I don't regret it at all. I think it was, it was very necessary. And it really opened up a couple of conversations um, uh, in the, at least on the Quebec side of things. Um but I got a lot of backlash, which is, you know, whatever it is, it is what it is. I don't think it would be the same today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely something that I have to do all the time. I still have to come out all the time. I have to, right. you know, explain what pansexuality is all the time <laughs> yeah. uh, because I am not queer passing. I don't know if this makes any sense. Like people wouldn't mm-hmm. expect that from from someone like me. And then I have to explain, you know, what all of this is and. <laughs> It's, 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 um, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tiring space to navigate, of course. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think maybe it's like, but it's, it's, it's exhausting for anybody, you know, that, that, um, that is, you know, part of this community in a way, cause we always have to, mm-hmm. um, be careful and like, you know, explain ourselves, but yeah, it gets a little tiring, but it's okay. Like I, I really don't mind doing it. I don't like educating people on it though. Right. Um, but I still do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I feel like there's, there's almost that element in your music naturally too and it's drawn a a big queer community around your music because it's so I think it's so standalone but it also brings people together and I think that's kind of part of what the community represents thank you that's nice (laughs) yeah well something that also might be a little bit lost to people it, it something that i think is so interesting is exactly what i said your music brings all these different people together whether they're from france whether they're from quebec whether it's someone english that stumbles upon your music and likes the sound of it it's pretty interesting i mean it must feel good to know that no matter even if someone can't understand what you're saying <laughs> they still love your music yeah yeah i saw that when i played the show in mexico city um mm. it was usually it's usually like there's usually french people everywhere like i all like or french or from quebec you know people that know how to speak french if i go to la or uh new york like it's that people know how to speak French. Um, but I went, to, went, I went to Mexico and I went to Mexico City and it was a huge show, like maybe small for Mexico, but um, it was like a thousand people. And um, it was like, I asked, I asked in the, in the crowd, I was like, do, do anybody know how to speak French? And nobody answered. No way. And they all knew the lyrics to all the songs they were singing along. It was so beautiful. And I was like, well, this is how music works, you know? Totally. Um it was it was really nice. I had a great great time there. So that's what motivates me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of your songs I are extremely poetic and super deep as well. Like I think there's a lot of like raw emotion that goes into the lyricism. And do you ever do you ever feel worried that you're misunderstood by the English demographic? Like they're not getting the full picture of who you are as an artist. 
No, I, I think it's, um, you know, if people want to look it up and look up the, the lyrics and everything, like, that's good. That's like an extra step, and, mm. and I love that. But, you know, what's nice about music is that you can make your own kind of interpretation and mm-hmm. feel your own feelings, you know? Like, if you listen to a song by Rosalia, like, I don't know what she's singing about, <laughs> but, like, it gives me life, and I love it, and I will listen to it. Um, I think that's just that's just part of the whole beauty of it. You can just, like feel your own feelings. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Well, thank you for creating that space for us over all these thank years you. and uh, being an icon in so many ways. Oh, thank you. you. Awesome. <laughs> oh, I, think, I appreciate that. That's yeah. nice. That's too kind. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like you're, you're always so awkward with compliments, but I have to sneak them in there. <laughs> no, but it's, it's nice. Good, I'll good. take it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is what's next for Coeur de Pirat? I know you're on tour um, for a little bit, at least in Quebec. Um, do, do you have any yeah. plans for a new album? I know you just put out two. Is there I'll a third? Be, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be in Toronto, like, in uh, July. So first of first or second of July, I think, and then London, Ontario. So I got a couple of dates in the rest of Canada. Right. Got a couple shows in Quebec. I have some France shows this summer. And then, um, ideally, I would like to do a re-edition of the last album. Because uh, oh, cool. before that album came out, it was supposed to be a country album. So And I never got to do it. So no I'll release that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was that connected to like those standalone singles like Plan à Toi and Probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it is what it is. <laughs> nice. Um, but now I'm going to go pick up my daughter from school. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, a, a great uh great dichotomy in your life right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to me and we wish you the best and congratulations on all your success so far. Oh, thank you so much. Have all a right. good day. <laughs> yes, you too. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the show. I'm your host, Josiah Sinanin. You can catch up on other episodes of this podcast by subscribing to the show or by visiting our website at josiahpodcast.com. Give me a shout out on social media if you enjoyed the episode. That's at Josiah Podcast. And if you want to help support the show, leave a review for us. We'd really appreciate it. This week's special guest was Coeur du Pirate. You can see more info on her upcoming tour dates at coeurdupirate.com and also follow her on social media at Beatrice Pirate, Beatrice Pirate for the Anglophones. Her latest record, Impossible à Aimer, is available wherever you stream or purchase music. As we continue to round off season five for the show, we thank you again for listening, conversing, and joining us. Until next time. <laughs>